welcome to Four for Q4, a podcast series where we take a closer look, closer look at the four key themes we think will be crucial for markets for the rest of the year. I'm John Briggs, Global Head of Desk Strategy. Today, I'm joined by Ross Walker, our co-head of Global Economics and Chief UK Economist, Giles Gale, our head of European Rate Strategy, and Theo Chapsalis, our head of UK Rate Strategy, covers not only UK, but US inflation markets for us. We take a closer look, not just inflation itself, but whether investors and markets are adequately pricing the risks for inflation and where we see consensus as being too complacent. So we all know inflation will be such an important driver of policy and markets, not just between now and year end, but it's also a really broad topic with a lot of potential angles. Before we get into some of those, Ross, as the economist in the room, looking to the balance of the year and into early next year, why don't you give us a broad overview of our views across the US, UK, and Europe? Is inflation transitory, not transitory? If transitory, where is it gonna settle out? Pre-COVID levels, a new base, set the table for our market guys. Yeah, certainly. And I think it makes sense to, to highlight some of the regional variations. We, we've seen a bit more inflation come through a bit more quickly in the U.S., and we think that theme continues. Uh, the U.S. is at a more advanced stage in the economic cycle. It's, it's a, an economy that is, uh, I think, generally more responsive to consumer activity, overlaying that with a much bigger, certainly much more immediate fiscal stimulus um, and we can see inflation levels in the U.S. essentially being maintained. They, base effects will perhaps exert a, a modest drag in the third quarter of this year, uh, but we see a modest rebound uh, in the fourth quarter. So essentially, inflation in the States ending this year pretty much where it is, is today. Um, in, in the euro area and the U.K., um, it's interesting. I think when you look at the detail of the inflation trends, what is clear is that this is the, there is obviously an outsized energy shock, partly base effects. We have a much bigger upside contribution coming from traded goods, whereas the boost to inflation from consumer services uh, has actually probably been more modest than expected. Um, a few months ago, we were all very focused on those sectors of the economy most sensitive to economic reopening, various consumer leisure services bars, restaurants, travel, transportation. Inflation has been picking up in those components, but not dramatically, given the potential magnitude of, of the pent-up demand out there. So it, it's perhaps a more nuanced and in some ways surprising picture than what we've seen. And it's a reminder that this environment that we're in, the lockdown, the reopening, the abrupt nature of these changes um, is, is making forecasting problematic. Um, certainly, I think these price moves seem to be being implemented much more quickly than you would expect in a conventional recession and recovery. Um, but we still have some upside for inflation in the euro area in the UK, but we see the peak coming around the turn of the year and then a sort of a gentle drift lower through uh, next year and gradually back to target. And hence why at the moment central banks are arguing and we're arguing that this will probably prove largely transitory uh, most of the overshoot will wash out over the next 12, 18 months or so, and therefore you will get a more modest uh, monetary policy adjustment. Okay. So again, before I turn to the market experts, from a global economic perspective, then what are your major risks when you look at that, or I should say about the potential for inflation to kind of smoothly go back down to target? Are we looking at, are you most worried about supply chain disruptions, Asian Delta cases, 
Um, or is inflation just too idiosyncratic, you know, to individual countries that some of these more broad thematic themes won't necessarily have as a durable impact? Yeah, I think here and now, I think the supply chain uh, issue is is one of the, um, the, the the bigger upside risks. And relating to that, the, the notion that global demand um, remains a bit stronger and therefore just continues to to, to, to maintain some upward pressure on, on basic costs, materials, and so on. Um, the, the core, I think, of the transitory arguments is that what we've been seeing over the last six months or so is partly a price level correction for a lot of commodities and inputs. And therefore, in year-over-year terms, you get this exaggerated but temporary upside move. Um, we obviously have some supply bottlenecks, but our core assumption is that supply will respond over time. Production of uh, certain components will increase. Um, supply will respond to higher prices and, and, and that will become self-correcting. If, if that doesn't happen and you get that persistence of some of these cost pressures allied to what we think will be relatively buoyant ongoing consumer demand, um, given improving labor markets, given the excess stock of saving and so on, you could end up with a more persistent overshoot in inflation. The Delta variant, the other sort of issue that's being talked about, I, I think at this stage, I'm, I'm less concerned about that. And when I look at economies like my own, like the UK, and I see a combination of very high vaccination levels, you know, 90% of the population has a single vaccination, three quarters have, have had two jabs, alongside essentially a, a full reopening of the economy, restrictions being largely lifted. You are seeing infection rates rise quite rapidly, but actually hospitalization numbers and, and deaths uh, are very low versus previous um, increases in, in infection rates. So I, I think we're learning to live with this and the, the, the risks around further lockdowns and, uh, and, and sort of Delta variant, it, it's there and it will persist, but it, it wouldn't be my principal worry at this point. Okay. Thanks for that setup, Ross. Now it's time to turn to the market side of things. So Theo, given that economic backdrop, in the US, we've seen market inflation well off its May peak, which seems to say the US markets believe inflation will be transitory despite these higher near-term prints. Do you think the markets are underestimating the US inflation risk? Yeah, I think that at the front of the curve, the market does underestimate inflation risks. So we've had several inflation prints that were stronger than expected. I mean, the last print uh, was not that uh, exceedingly strong, but yet it was not weak either. So uh, we have an environment where from the consumer side of things and from, from, from the sensitivity of the index and from, you know, from, from the setup of the market, that there is scope for inflation expectations to surprise at the upside, to the upside at the front end of the curve, um, and also valuations, break-even valuations to go richer. Right now, we have a market where if you are concerned about inflation, well, it's likely to happen now rather than in five or in 10 or in 20 years. So if you are to have inflation protection, you need to have it now at the front end of the curve. And indeed, this is the color that I get from clients, that they feel concerned about inflation. Yes, we can say that Inflation may be transitory, but it may be transitory for, you know, another six months. So the transitory doesn't necessarily mean that it will die out, you know, uh, at the next print. So 
it may be transitory from um you know from a policy maker point of view uh, but the actual consumer the actual investor when they do get those rpi in the uk or cpi because we have that in the us clearly uh, when they get those spreads, they well, they need to have that that protection. So to us, the market does underestimate what is going on at the front end uh, of the U.S. curve. So inflation expectations uh, should widen there. But thinking from a more longer term point of view, inflation is not going anywhere higher because inflation break evens have been supported by the Fed, and the Fed really through the purchases creates an asymmetry in the market. So the purchases that um, we have on a monthly basis, they're much more supportive for tips than for conventional uh, US treasuries. So we have a widening of break-evens. The Fed seems also to be fairly happy with the level of break-evens overall. And we, we assume that this refers to, you know, the longer end of the curve. So long story short, yes, the market does underprice inflation risks at the front of the curve. But when we look at something from the five-year, five-year point and onwards, we think that, uh, this is already quite high, so we don't think that those inflation expectations can rise further. So, as Ross said, now the outlook for UK inflation is a little bit more nuanced. So, same question for the UK, but a different answer, maybe? <laughs> yes. Uh, the UK is in many ways idiosyncratic, and those who look at the UK inflation market, um, they definitely know that it's very, very idiosyncratic. In fact, it's so idiosyncratic that it's difficult to hedge the UK inflation market with other markets. So it is so different. When it comes to the curve, when it comes to the UK inflation curve, uh, we have the front end that um, has priced substantially high RPI for the next years, not just a year. So we talk about the next years. Uh, and a lot of investors are actually really skeptical to fade that move. So we get it. Um, but I think a lot of investors are actually underestimating the ability of long-end inflation expectations to increase. So yes, it is different. And the point for that is really not necessarily that, you know, the market will be so terrified about inflation happening in 30 years time. However, if we have high inflation now, and at the same time, we have fairly healthy markets and equities, for example, and the levels of volatility are low, this encourages the risking activity which tends to widen inflation expectations on the back end of the curve simply because flows go into those inflation-linked bonds. So to us, the need is really for inflation or at least for, 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 for the UK issuer, for the DMO to issue more long-end UK inflation-linked bonds because there is demand. And the conditions, these conditions that we see are conducive to more inflation hedging, more inflation buying at the back end of the curve. So we do think that inflation expectations are the back end of the curve can widen because really of the setup and of, of you know, other conditions, not necessarily uh, because of shifts in, in, in the acute um, inflation view. But at the front end of the curve, we think that uh, there is less juice. So it is really a different story. At the front of the curve, we think that valuations are uh, probably expensive. Now, as many know, the UK inflation market does trade expensive. Is it too expensive? This is something that uh, it's uh, less easy to say, um, simply because you know that premium can vary according to circumstances. So the, at the front end, it's less clear if something it looks to be on the expensive side. At the back end of the curve, it's not. And back end break events in the UK have got potential to widen further. All right, so two different markets. All right, that leaves Europe. 
Giles, no one ever seems to think Europe can generate sustained inflation at or above target. For example, even now, U.S. five-year, five-year inflation is called at 30 basis points above the Fed's target, but in Europe, it's 30 basis points below the ECB's target. Will this time be different or back to the same as usual? Yeah, I mean, that's the key question, isn't it? I mean, given the recent history of inflation in, in Europe, it's very easy to be skeptical. And you're absolutely right to point out that the U.S. break-even curve is very flat, while the European curve is very, well, it's, it's comparatively steep. I mean, I think the first thing I should say is that inflation clearly is going to be transitory, just in the sense that, I mean, you know, the year-on-year rate is going to come down as base effects wash through. The real question is just what the path from next year onwards is going to look like. And markets at the moment are saying that inflation might reach around sort of one and a half percent in two to three years' time. So, you know, despite a decent pickup in break-evens, you know, sort of longer term, you know, this is still a market where pessimism dominates. And in fact, you know, break-evens never really reach uh, that that two percent target, uh, you know, even quite far out. So, you know, we're just saying, you know, inflation risks are pretty clearly on the high side compared to that. And you've already heard a great summary from from Ross on the macro, so I won't. Uh, I wouldn't add anything there much, so I'd love to spend half an hour on it. I'll just say that, you know, I think that investors really are very heavily conditioned by the experience over the last 10 years since the Greek crisis. And you know, that that's a long period of time by anyone's yardstick. And you know, I do think, but I do think it's exceptional for, for a number of reasons. And you know, I really find it very hard to be more pessimistic about the next five years or so than, uh, than the last. And as I say, you know, all of that's relevant because I think that you know, because of this recent experience, when it comes to positioning at these levels, um, you know, shorter term positions are, are pretty strongly biased to be to be short. Um, so, so one of the reasons I think for relative break-even strength at the moment, uh, you know, which really jars with the, ex- the experience of in, in nominal rates, which rallied so strongly over the summer, is that it's just a position that hasn't been particularly well owned. Um, and then you know, structurally, I think you have you know, a number of sources of sticky, possibly even growing demand. I mean, on the sticky side, you've got the ECB, you know, possibly Dutch pensions, and then growing demand. Uh, Livre air hedging, I think, is something that might actually be quite important um, you know, over the next several months, maybe even longer. And I don't think it's being talked about that much. So yeah, that's the story in a nutshell for me. All right. So we've got views where in the US, investors are underpricing inflation risk in the very front end, but in Europe and UK, it's more, more towards the back end. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode of 4 for Q4. Make sure you check out the NatWest Corporates Institutions YouTube channel for other episodes in this series. Remember to hit subscribe so you can listen to the latest episodes of 4 for Q4 and other podcasts from NatWest Markets team as soon as they're available. Bye for now.